eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown Giants! From the offseason, through the wins, and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. Alright, it's time to take one giant step, and sadly, our first giant step with a loss on the win-loss record. It's Sean Morash with Paul Dottino on One Giant Step, courtesy of Odyssey and everywhere podcasts are downloadable. Paul, on a Tuesday morning, I would say happy good morning to you, but sad morning, but it's okay. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Sean, but I think we could retitle this uh, broadcast One Giant Step Backwards because I thought this team made so many mistakes. And quite honestly, I thought there were a couple of coaching question marks in addition to some incredible brain farts during the course of this game that make absolutely no sense to me as to why the Giants basically threw it in the toilet. Yeah, uh, Paul, and on that note, I was going to say we could call this episode One Giant Turd at this point. I think it's basically the way I feel after this game. All right, so let's get it started here. Obviously, the Giants fall 23-16. They do get that lead on the Saquon touchdown in the third quarter, despite the fact that Daniel Jones was just under duress all night. And if you saw the Adam Schefter tweet, uh, basically the most the quarterback's been pressured at any point all season through three weeks, second most the last two weeks. We were just talking about this pre-show. Just for starters, I mean, the Giants got their ass kicked in the trenches. Uh, And you want to talk about the Cowboys' offensive line on that side. The team missed Leonard Williams greatly. But, uh, you know, it is is becoming incredibly frustrating, incredibly frustrating as a Giant fan, that despite maneuvers on the offensive line, and I'm going to give Evan Neal a little bit of a pass because he's going to grow up, and, and Andrew Thomas took his lumps. But this interior of the offensive line continues to be just an absolute zero. Even Mark Lewinsky... And Pedro Feliciano. I mean, you. I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen last night. You cannot function as an offense when you have zero time and zero ability. It's just a disgrace what they did in the trenches last night. Well, I kind of disagree a little bit 
about what you're talking about. Um, there was definitely too much pressure. I don't think the primary focus for me was on the interior of the offensive line because I thought that they moved uh, Jones around a little bit with his ability to slide the pocket. I thought he scrambled well. I thought he bought time well. When I went back and I studied the five sacks on the game film last night, because, by the way, I did not sleep, um, I noticed <laughs> that there were two sacks that were given up by tight ends who had brain lock and simply did not execute a block and allowed a free pass rusher off the edge. So those were two of your five sacks. Another sack was on a coverage sack where the offensive line actually blocked correctly. Jones had to step up into the pocket, and then Lawrence looped around and tackled Jones for a loss of a yard, which went down as a sack. But in reality, that was not your true conventional type of sack. So what were there? There were two actual sacks off the edge where Lawrence flat out beat Evan Neal on a speed move. Now, why were those troublesome for me? Well, offensive line coach Bobby Johnson is very emphatic that he wants his offensive linemen to foam at the mouth, act like junkyard dogs, and punch and be forceful, feisty, aggressive. And on both of those sacks, Evan Neal was passive. He made the rookie mistake of not only understanding Lawrence's speed, but he received Lawrence's pass rush instead of attacking off the snap and punching. And that's the only way that you're going to deal with a rusher like Lawrence. You punch him at the attack, hit him in the sternum, hit him in the chest, stop his momentum off the snap, and that will do an awful lot into thwarting that pass rush. So I don't know. You want to make those physical mistakes because he's a rookie? Or do you want to make them mental mistakes because he's a rookie? So I'm basically telling you, while there was pressure and the Giants knew there would be pressure, Jones did a great job in navigating it. And for all the reasons that I just cited those five sacks, all five were preventable. And they just let Dallas have them. Now, there's no doubt about that, Paul. However, I'm going to push back on a couple of things. Number one, Evan Neal deserves to get crushed because he wasn't good last night. But, I mean, again, he's a first-round pick, a tackle. I'm less upset about Evan Neal getting cooked by Demarcus Lawrence because I expect Evan Neal to grow and learn from it. And I just got burned by getting angry at Andrew Thomas in his rookie year. But if you study the five sacks, and that's all good and well, how many sacks could there have been if not for Daniel Jones escaping last night? I mean, I could tell you right off the top of my head without even rewatching the game film. I mean, there were mo- at least two plays last night where each Feliciano and Glowinski literally got ran over like trucks by Micah Parsons. I- and even if Micah Parsons wasn't the one getting home, him causing those pressures, the pressures still, you know, count outside of the five sacks. And the Cowboys were great at lining up Micah Parsons all over the field. And look, I understand that they didn't sign him to be an elite guard, and I understand that he's moved bodies in the run game and had really good run blocks. I'm sorry, Paul. I think in the past game, Mark Lewinsky's been an absolute net negative now for this team. And last night, I really thought it reared its ugly head on a couple of those pressures that, again, good for Daniel Jones. And I want to end this podcast when we get to it talking about Daniel Jones because I I could make the case it's one of the better games he's had as a pro. But Daniel Jones saved the ass of the Giants' offensive line as far as more sacks given up than just those five last night. Well, again, I would agree with you that there was an awful lot of pressure by the Dallas front. There's no way to ignore that. But again, um, 
the sacks were the biggest plays because those are the ones that actually cost you the True. lost yardage. Jones was so good that he actually made this offense functional despite the pressure. Um, the sacks I've just explained to you, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at those things and I'm just saying to myself, I just don't understand what was going on on those physical plays by those players. Uh, that's what frustrates me more than anything. Um, I would also say that in looking at at the Giants' game plan, um, this is another game where you saw the offense move the ball with over 100 rushing yards in the second half, albeit Barkley getting one big run. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit I'm a little bit puzzled, quite frankly, if if the Giants maybe are doing too much feeling out with their plays in the first half of games. And, and and only because this is a trend now after three weeks where we see the offense much more effective in the second half than we do the first half, and it's primarily because of the run game. And they always tell you, understand that every play is not meant to be a big play. There are some plays that are meant as setup plays. Coaches will call things on purpose – just to try to get defenses to look at something so they can see how they react and will run different plays off of it later. I'm starting to wonder if maybe the Giants are using too many setup plays in three consecutive first halves in which they really have not been able to score a lot of points. So, Sean, just to be clear, yeah, the interior of the line had their problems, but it was just the overall pass protection for the night. That really broke down in so many other areas. Yeah, and on that point, when you're talking about the offense, almost like waiting to see what dictates here. I mean, now this is three straight first-half games. This seems to be a very smart coaching staff. They need to find a way to get some explosive plays here in the first half and trust it. It's hard to do. Trust the offensive line a little bit to allow them to operate, not just be so reliant on Saquon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Which brings me to one of two major negatives on the day, Paul. This wide receiver group. And we get the news on Tuesday. It looked bad at the end, and Sterling Shepard is lost for the year with a torn ACL. Feel horrible. Heart and soul giant. Guts and glory guy. Who knows where his career goes from here? That's for a, you know, a discussion down the other line. But the point being, he was the most reliable, in essence, of the giant receivers through three weeks. Although, again, pre-injury, I can make the case. That was a lot of bad moments from Sterling Shepard on Monday Night Football, including coming off the bench and obviously the drop, what might have been the fumble, yada, yada, yada. This receiving group, Paul, in an era of passing offense, and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable wanting to go there, 
Kenny Galladay, first of all, let's just start right here. I understand that he finally had a big play taken away by a pass interference that shouldn't have been. Totally understand it, and that sucks for him. That really does. We saw it happen with Kadarius Toney a week ago. He had a big play taken away, similar kind of penalty that was extremely questionable. To come out in, in that press conference in which we kind of defended Kenny Galladay and say I should be playing regardless, you got to be attacking the football with your hands a little more, man. And on that final, final drive to get bailed out and to get back, well, the, the second to final drive, after the Shepard drop and fumble, uh, look, I don't like throwing the ball short of the sticks anyway. That's just, you got it. When you're making $70 million, well, you got to catch the freaking football. It, it, it's unacceptable. You can't say uh, uh, during the week, I got to play regardless. You got to be as sure-handed as they come out of this whole group because I'm sorry, like it or not, your paycheck dictates that. Yeah, it's an unacceptable game. That's the bottom line. For Kenny Galladay, that is an unacceptable game no matter how you look at it. Uh, I know that on the the incompletion that you're talking about, he was clearly trying to set up the defensive back, thought he was going to be able to make an inside move and then break it for a big game. Well, that's all well and good. But if that's what your plan is, you better execute it. Because when you don't, it comes off looking really, really sloppy. Yeah, and look, this is exactly what the job, well, what Galladay could have needed, right? Kadarius Tony's banged up. Uh, you know, Wondell Robinson is still hurt. The reps were there. I saw him on the, I mean, look, he may not have played as much as he wanted to, but he was on the field enough. He, he was on the field enough to make plays, and he had zero impact, again, other than one play that wasn't his fault that got taken away. And on the very, as we continue to go down the road of wide receivers, it is not necessarily his fault because he is who he is. But the idea that this team is supposed to elevate itself offensively and we're supposed to just, you know, properly evaluate Daniel Jones. David Sills is not a number one wide receiver, Paul. He does a lot of the dirty work. He blocks well. Look, you throw it to him, he'll catch the ball. He's not going to get a lot of yards after the catch. But offensively, say what you want to say about fit. We see Shepard's out now. Darius Slayton's got to start getting a look because David Sills, just, I'm sorry, he's just not giving you enough for a guy that is playing the majority of the snaps of this wide receiver group. You know, the real dis- disappointing part about this, Sean, is that when you looked at the Giants receiver room going into training camp, they basically had two medium to tallish size receivers who had the ability to go deep with straight ahead over the top speed. That was Slayton and Robert Foster. Foster got hurt, and of course, that was the end of his opportunity. Slayton then wound up with the hamstring when he had had a week or two of really good practices, and we thought things were going to turn around for him, and he was going to become more of a factor. Then the hamstring comes into play, and all of a sudden, boom, he's he's, he's back in the closet again. And the truth of the matter is, he hasn't come out since. The Giants have let him collect dust, and I will tell you, I find that to be puzzling as well Yeah, because it just seems to me that there's too many skills and tools there to go unused. And look, has this coaching staff so far earned our trust as Giant fans, Giant observers? Of course, right? They, they seem well-prepared. They're not getting bullied in these games. But the bottom line is this. Whether the coaching staff likes Daniel Jones, doesn't like Daniel Jones, He has two real good attributes. That's being able to make something out of nothing with his legs, which he did all night last night, and throw the deep ball. David Sills is not a guy who's going to catch the deep ball. Darius Toney is banged up left and right, but that's a guy that's a yards after the catch guy. Kenny Galladay, not a burner, doesn't take the top. 
Right. I, I, look, I'm sorry. And I don't want to hear that Darius Slayton has a lot of drops in his history. Hello. Have we watched the giant receivers through three weeks? I've seen a lot of guys not named Richie James, even though he had one a couple of weeks ago, drop passes all over the place. This, yeah, has this, to be, this week, this has to be an element of the offense, Paul. It has to be. This, this week, game number three had more drops by the Giants than they had in the first two weeks combined. Jeez. I mean, this, this was not pretty. This well, was not pretty at all. And you know what's frustrating, Sean? You know, it's frustrating if you watch Philadelphia. And as good as Hertz has looked, his targets are making all the plays for him. They seem to have flypaper for hands. And they're always there to make a play on the other end of his passes. And then we look at the Giants game against the Cowboys and flub after flub after flub. And they're not holding on to plays that he's trying to make for them. I look, I've seen this happen going back to the last few years of Eli Manning. This is not exactly something that's coming out of left field. Although, again, in the first two weeks, it was one of the reasons why the Giants were able to squeak out victories, is because you didn't see these things happen. Yeah. And, and Paul, look, in games, and let's face it, the Giants are not going to go roll somebody 31 to 10, even the Chicago Bears, all right? So in games that are going to be decided by 7 points, 10 points, 3 points, 6 points, you know, like we saw with Sterling Shepard in week one, one big play could be what sways this these games from wins and losses. And I am not out here making Darius Slayton out to be, uh, you know, Plexico Burris in 2007, 2008 before his injury. I'm not making him out to be that way. All I am saying is we're not going to get better externally. We're not going to get better in the wide receiver room externally. Somebody has to replace Sterling Shepard's reps. Kenny Galladay ain't earning them. I've seen Darius Slayton have good chemistry with Daniel Jones. Fit, no fit, my ass. He's got to get on the field and make some plays or at least attempt to take a top off a defense because it's it's incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. Uh, David Stills might be a hard worker, great practice guy. I'm not even saying he's a terrible player. But that's the guy getting the most reps of wide receiver. It's it's not enough positive in a playmaking league. Well, as bad as that is, Sean, uh, I hate to, to to do this, but, you know, I, I can't let you escape here without giving a real punch to the jaw of the special teams. Oh, because to be honest, oh, to be honest, when you want to really put the hammer down on blame for this game last night, oh. man, do they have to take their share on both shoulders. You're talking about Bredesen uh, missing on a block on the block field goal, which is three points, right? They lose oh. the three points because Gano, we know Gano's going to make it. Which, right? by the way, if he makes it, Paul, then when they get down there to kick that last field goal, he, uh, Dable's going to go for it on fourth down. Who knows what happens? Maybe it's a tie game. You're chasing those three points the rest of the night. Well, and then Dallas missed a 59-yarder right before the end of the half, so that kind of evens out. But still, you know, you can't have that happen. Then let's go to after the Giants do have a 3-3 game on Gano's field goal. They give up a 24-yard kick return that immediately sets Dallas up at their own 37, which, I mean, come on. What offense doesn't want to start outside Uh. their own 35 after a kickoff, okay? And what, what happens on that drive? Five plays, 53 yards. Dallas field goal. They take a 6-3 lead. And then let's go to the real big one. The real, real big one. How about that punt return? Oh. 28-yard punt return right along the sideline. And Julian Love, who has done everything this team could ask, missed the tackle, 
All right. A couple other guys maybe had shots, but Love probably had the best shot. Misses the tackle. So it's a 20 to 3 Dallas lead. And this punt return sets up Dallas at the Giants' 35 yard line with seven and a half minutes to go. That wound up being the third consecutive offensive drive that the Cowboys scored on, which turned the score from 13 6 Giants to 23 13 Cowboys because on that drive, they get another field goal. And quite frankly, that field goal made it a two-score game. And with only six minutes to go, the Giants were in a hole they just couldn't get out of. And it all started with a punt return that practically gave them an automatic field goal to bury the Giants. So you can't let special teams off the hook. Yeah, and and it's incredibly frustrating from that standpoint because, look, we've talked about the lack of depth, the fact that, you know, Dable's got to squeeze everything he can out of this roster. They are not deep enough and talented enough, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's-wise on offense and defense to be given back enormous yardage on special teams like that and just putting the defense in bad spots or erasing finally when there's some good offensive momentum. It, It just simply cannot happen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, on the other point, you know, talking about the negative, maybe it's our own fault. Maybe it's our own fault because we've been dying to see Ojolari and Thibodeau and they were on pitch counts. Clearly, the pass rush can't be that non-existent. It just cannot be that non-existent. And whether it's, you know, Jihad Ward or Shane Zimenez when they're in there, they don't have Leonard Williams mixing it up. You know, forget about eating the run for a second. Even his presence pushing the pocket. Dexter Lawrence last night can't be the best pass rusher. And I know Ojalari had a sack taken from him on that hole. That, that could have been a strip sack for all we know. Who knows? But, uh, again, Thibodeau, a lot put on his plate. But Aiden Hutchinson's performing. Uh, Trayvon Walker's performing. I know it's his first game. I know he will get better. But that's frustrating. It's frustrating to sit there and have a team with young offensive linemen, questions on their offensive line, a blitz, a blitzing wink Martindale, not be able to get home. That can't happen for the Giants. Yeah, I think clearly Ojolari and Thibodeau showed a lot of rust. We know that neither guy had a whole lot of work at all over the course of the last month and a half, and it showed. There's no, there's no question about it. The shame of it is, and I told you I thought going in, Wink would be the MVP of the game. Did you see the exotic schemes that he was using? It was all over the place, yeah. He he did everything he possibly could right. well, to, he throw, to throw thinking. wrinkles at, at, uh, at Rush. And he did a lot of what we speculated on the preview podcast, whether it was moving Jihad Ward inside out. We saw Thibodeau come inside on a couple of, You know, yeah. he was playing the chess game. But, you know, that that's a team you got, you got, this isn't the Cowboys offensive line of five years ago. I just, and for Thibodeau, a lot of those pass rushing reps, you're going against Tyler Smith, my man, you're Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. That's a rookie that you should have been beat in the combine. You should beat on Monday night football. It's not like he's going against Tyron Smith. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, Sean, I, I wonder how strong that knee is after the sprained MCL. He's clearly good enough to play with the brace and to get out there and not be a safety hazard to himself. But I wonder how much strength has really returned to the knee 
because there were a number of – look, I don't remember seeing Thibodeau blocked by two guys. It looked like he was one-on-one all night, and there were a number yeah. of times he was against the tight end and right. couldn't beat the tight end. stood up. Now, but- that's, just, that's not the Kayvon Thibodeau we saw at Oregon. So I'm going to say between rust and between maybe the knee not being what he needed to push off, that that might have contributed to it. Uh, but I but I will say this again, schematically, I thought Wink did a marvelous job. I thought the execution was lacking more so than than Wink because um, he was putting a what I like to call a kaleidoscope defense out yeah. on the field where it was just changing nonstop yep. and, and coming from all areas and all different looks. I, I can't I can't say enough about what he tried to do. I just don't think the players won enough of their matchups. They didn't. And, and Tay Crowder and, and even Austin Calitro, I think, got benched at one point for Michael McFadden. Totally were exposed without, Len, you know, getting, you know, running backs, getting to the second level, Leonard Williams out. So it, it was frustrating. Again, though, you, when you give up less than 28 points in the NFL, it's the offense that has to find a way to score some points and, you know, keep it within striking distance. And whether it was penalties, drops, and whatnot. Now, that being said, the one guy who was very polarizing last night all over social media, Paul, was Daniel Jones. Okay, we know Daniel Jones is a punchline nationally, maybe a punchline at times in New York. Not really with me and you. Me and you were kind of Daniel Jones homer, so to speak. That was a valiant effort. I I don't know how anybody who has two eyes and understands the game of football watches that game and takes anything other way than, damn, that sucks for Daniel Jones. Like, what more is he supposed to do? If the MetLife Stadium field is made out of grass, he's picking it out of there like Eli Manning in the NFC Championship game. Not fumble. I mean, how many times would those have been fumbles two years ago from Daniel Jones? And and, and escaping and throwing the ball away and not taking as many sacks. You brought the five sacks. It could have been eight, nine sacks. He kept throwing the ball. I know he takes the intentional grounding late. Daniel Jones played really smart football and extended so many drives with his legs last night. And being... You know, from our point of view, Monday Night Football with the more cameras, you could see down the field every time they're showing this replays. Nobody's open for the poor guy. And, and drops galore. I, You want to tell me he's not Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes? Fine. I get all that. I get that he's not the biggest elite of quarterbacks. But if you're telling me Daniel Jones doesn't elevate the New York Giants, I dare you to watch that game last night and ask me when you make jokes about Daniel Jones not winning at prime time, what more is he supposed to do? What more is he supposed to do? You know, to your point, Sean, I think uh, I had the Giants down for five drops and like 24 pressures on Jones. And by the way, five sacks, yes, and 12 quarterback hits. I mean, honestly, uh, if, if anybody actually watched that game through clear vision, they would have seen that Jones performed above and beyond. Uh, he did a very good job of of moving around inside the pocket, of running with the ball, and quite frankly, of also with some of the moving pockets that they did. I told you they yeah. did a lot of that in the offseason, of having him practice with doing stuff on the move, especially horizontally. And I, I look, Coach Dable just had, uh, as we tape this, had had a little bit earlier his session with the media, and he had nothing but praise for how well Daniel Jones competed made good decisions, made good throws. But you know what? This all comes down to, again, circumstances around him. I'm just glad that Dable Dable stepped up and did isolate the fact that Jones did so many good things last night. 
Well, and, and Paul, we've been in this spot before with bad offensive line play where, you know, the Giants might be behind in a game, down a score, down two scores, fourth quarter comes, and it's, you know, pin your ears back, and the defense gets after the Giants, you know, whoever's playing quarterback, right? Last night, the Giants trailing in that game. They get those two drives. I mean, again, I, I killed the Shepard drop, fumble, then the Galladay play, right? That, that could have been it. Jones making those plays against that pass rush. Then to get the ball back with no timeouts. Again, he's under duress. He's doing all he can. And it's really a crime that he gets credited with the interception at the end when David Sills falls down. I, I mean, the guy, the I know. guy went out. They, it would have been so easy for Daniel Jones to go out there really confident, shook with, with the defense coming after him. He didn't. He stepped up. He, he was a man last night. He was a man on Monday night. And he deserved better. He absolutely deserved better. And and look, I, whatever they do in the offices and they do, we have, you know, how many more games to go? I don't, I don't know how you don't look at Daniel Jones and root for this guy the rest of the way, man. That That is – I felt sorry for him. That If any player deserved better in week three of the NFL, it was Daniel Jones for what he put up with. You know, the one the one that really kind of stuck in my craw as I felt bad for him last night was the 20-yard pass to Galladay that converted a third and 13 yeah. late in the first half. And as you know, it's now 20 consecutive games for the Giants – of, of, of being held scoreless in the final two minutes oh. of the first half. And here he was making a play. And, and you know, I mean, that that ball, you know, he finds Galladay despite the pressure, and then they call the, the offensive pass interference. Horrible call. Horrible call. And, 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 and I, look, again, Sean, I don't want to pin this game on that one play, but it was a pivotal play. It really was. And, and I don't know if they score there. I don't know if they get a touchdown. Did they get a field goal right before the half? But remember, they would have had a chance to double dip because they were getting the second half kickoff. And yeah. you know how important the double dip is in the National Football League these days. That's why everybody defers at the start of a game because right. they want the double dip. Costanza, so, you double dip the chip. Right. So that's a – that's, you know, and, and to this point, I mean, Carl Banks – I was calling the radio play-by-play at that time because Bob Pop had to go downstairs for halftime. So I was in the booth calling the game with Carl Banks. And Carl immediately said, did the officials understand that Jones had broken the pocket? He was outside the pocket. So it's a scramble drill. Yeah. Therefore, any contact like that downfield by an offensive receiver cannot be offensive pass interference because you have to consider that the quarterback is out of the pocket He's now a legal runner. So if a receiver contacts a defensive back, it, it, it goes down as a block. It doesn't go down as a penalty. I still don't understand how they call that. It's it's puzzling. It was worse than the week before with you know the play that got erased by Tony, but it's just every week it's it's either a questionable penalty. It just it kills you. The penalty See, that's what happens, though, Sean, when you're in the quicksand of mediocrity and you're just not that good yeah mistakes and bad luck or poor officiating will sink you every time well at least we're doing this for the first time paul after week three the positives is this is still two and one <laughs> they very very winnable i i did say this you know i'm watching the game with my dad a couple people at my at my dad's house and we all said the same thing we said you know what this really sucks we all hate losing to the cowboys after we got done cursing under our breath and everything they said 
But the last couple of years after week three, you felt like you had no football before Columbus Day. At least, not only do we have football, we have another game that the Giants feel like they should be able to win. And look, they're headed. They have a chance to get the three and one. We'll do the preview pod at the end of the week. If we, you know, if you exit the first four games three and one as bad and as winnable as that Cowboy game was, we all would have signed for it around the New York Giants. I think we could all agree with that. Uh, Paul, deep breaths. We get ready for Chicago. Where can we follow you on Twitter? Oh, of course, at Giants WFAN. And hopefully sometime this week, I'll be able to tell you that Len Williams is coming back to the lineup. Please. We need big Len. Please. Follow me on Twitter, at CBS. Thanks for taking one giant step with us.